Welcome to the Sabad Radio Show, shining a light on today's innovative leaders in business, technology, and government. Today's show is brought to you by Sabad Business Solutions, where our passion is in the process. And now, here are today's hosts. Good morning, and welcome back to Savad Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Ron Davis, the president of Savad Business Solutions. Good morning, Ron. Welcome. How are you? I'm fine. Good morning to you. Uh, it's a great day here in Atlanta, and uh, looking forward to this morning's uh, conversation. Well, you brought with, uh, with you a very distinguished fellow that I'm really looking forward to. He's no stranger to this show. has been on a couple times before, but first time I got him into our studio, so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, say hello to Dr. Richard Morrison, who's a board member of Savad, former executive with Eli Lilly, and a former professor with UNC Wilmington. Welcome to the show, Dr. Morrison. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here with both of you. Well, it's good to see you. Nice to meet you. Uh, good to put a face to the name. Uh, uh, Dick, before we really get into a conversation, we have an interesting topic to get into today, but uh, quickly share with us a little bit about you and your background. Well, I, uh, as you pointed out, I am a former executive of uh, Eli Lilly Pharmaceutical Corporation, 30 years running uh, international divisions and international companies for, for Lilly. After I retired from Lilly, I ended up going back to academia, where I'd started off many years ago, and I was in the Cameron School of Business and at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Since 1995, I did take three years off uh, after I had taught for eight years and then was enticed to come back. In December of this past year, I decided it was time to retire from teaching and spend my time with uh, on, on the corporate boards. I, I have had the privilege of being on several corporate boards in the last several years, and my newest uh, board is with Savad and I want to give them more time as we go into the future. Well, I can assure you now that you are uh, retired from, from teaching as well. Ron and I are going to do everything we can to suck as much knowledge and learning out of you <laughs> as, as we possibly can. You know, Ron, uh, what we want to talk about today is, I'm not even sure how to exactly to describe it, but it's this notion of compliance and ethics and corporate governance and all that. Uh, talk about one of the key functions of what Savad does for its clients is this notion of protecting their information and their data and their security. Talk about from a high-level view of kind of how you go about this idea of, of protecting the assets of, of the people you serve. Well, you, you know, in, in what you're talking about, when we're talking about corporate governance, where we'll, we'll, we'll use that as an umbrella, a lot of this other stuff can fall under there, where we talk about compliance and regulations and, and just protecting companies. And, and the thing is, is that used to be just for the largest companies, but now it really falls under just about any company out there. So companies, you know, it's one of those things, you know, either they do something now or they're going to feel the pain later. And typically that pain can be either fines or it could be lawsuits. And so you know, what what we do is when we when we talk about protecting, what we want to do is we want to help really in, in two or three different areas because uh, for us protection means that uh, we will help them protect their data, but we also want to help them be better informed. And a lot of this, uh, a lot of the compliance uh, and regulations that we see today re just require a lot of work to be able to meet them. You know, you can throw a lot of people at that, um, which a lot of pe you know a lot of companies do. But we we try to help them integrate technology into that to um, to at least 
to be able to uh, streamline some of the processes, you know, whether it's collecting data or just reporting, and then also have that information so they can be better informed to, to know whether they are meeting compliance. Now, we had this conversation earlier, you know, we're not necessarily supplying them what we'll call compliant tools, uh, because that opens up a... Um, a whole nother level of, of actually risk for our, for our company and just in, in ensuring that we are. But what we are doing is supplying tools to help them be compliant. And and the idea is that every every company is is different. They all have to to meet whatever particular regulation is. But er, but every company is unique. And so saying that we had one compliant tool to meet everybody's needs is 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 not really servicing our customers well because it's, it, it, it's hard to be able to say to hard, hard to be able to carry that out. But we can go in and understand what their situations are from from that process, from the protection they need, from the information they need, and be able to offer them tools that are more customized to their particular situation so that they have what they need to be able to meet that compliance. Dick, you could sit down with any organization and offer them solutions on this idea, offer them and demonstrate tools about how to do this stuff, but does it really matter? Does it really resonate unless there's uh, a culture that's, that exists, that understands it and is welcoming? Talk about this idea of corporate governance and, and creating a culture where this idea of compliance and protecting data and all that matters. You know, this is a, an extremely interesting subject for me. I was telling Ron recently that I've had the good fortune, as I mentioned earlier, to be on several boards, public and private companies. I'll never forget, if you go back 10 or 15 years, when I was first asked to go onto a corporate board, and I was so excited. I thought, this is it. Stock options, boy, this is big time, you know. <laughs> And I suspect back in those days, many people who were invited onto corporate boards, no matter what's the size of the company, uh, they they considered it an honor. And it is an honor, of course, to be on a board. It's an honor for me to be on the board of Savad. But then all at once, after I'd been on a board for a short period of time, Enron happened, Mm. WorldCom, Tyco, and so on. And it was a real wake-up call to me. It suddenly dawned on me. Not that I didn't feel responsibility as a board member to the company at that point in time, but it really dawned on to, on me that I had to set the tone. I was on the board of directors. I was at the top. And it was important that we really get a handle in that company, and I was going on one or two other corporations at that time, on this whole thing of corporate governance and, and what it meant. To the, to the company, to the culture that you refer to, your question specifically relates to the ethics that, that we needed to maintain within the company as demonstrated didn't happen at Enron and WorldCom and so on. We didn't want that to happen. And who is responsible to make sure it doesn't happen? It has to start at the top. It has to start at the board and the senior management levels. And so all at once, I suddenly made a vow to myself Every board that I go on to, I'm going to make sure that I do my very level best to make sure that we are protecting this company, that we have a good culture that we're going to protect, that we're going to be ethical, 
and we're going to establish corporate governance programs. And incidentally, every board I've been on, I have served as the uh, chair of the audit committee because of my background. And I take that very, very seriously because I feel that I'm not only protecting the company, but I am protecting the shareholders, all of the stakeholders within uh, that are connected to that company. And that is the responsibility. And if we don't do that, if we don't make sure that we, first of all, we have to make sure we have pretty good culture in that company. But then it's our responsibility to communicate, to work with the senior management, to, to make sure we have programs down through the company that will assure that everybody is understanding that we have, we have a wonderful brand of our company. We have to protect it. And even one small ethical slip, even a perceived ethical slip, will be out and around the world in, in, in no time at all. So there's, there's a lot at stake uh, when we're talking about corporate governance, when we're talking about compliance. Used to be compliance really related to primarily to you know, the pharmaceutical sector, the healthcare sector, uh, or the financial sector. Today, it, it applies to every, every company. We're looking now uh, at compliance for the Affordable Care Act coming into play uh, and what this means to small companies, to schools, uh, independent schools, and so on. This is a really, really big issue, corporate compliance, school compliance, whatever it may be. Even in um, other nonprofit-type organizations, those people who are on the board must understand their responsibility for, in, maybe it's not a corporation, but we'll call it corporate governance, a part of which is to make sure they are complying, whether it's with affordable care, whether it's with research, whether it's with financials. It is such a severe and important aspect. I look forward to being uh, on the Savad board and uh, being a part of helping to grow this company. It's got a great culture at this point. I want to see that culture continue, and I want to see the company grow, and I want to see the shareholders be rewarded accordingly. So I don't know if I answered your question. It was rather long-winded. Oh, no. Hey, look, this is, a, this is a dialogue. It strikes me that, you know, what every organization wants, and as you said, it could be a large corporation, it could be a small business, it could be an educational concern. The the idea of, of having this corporate governance in place and an understanding of what all that means and, and someone taking responsibility for overseeing it, and free, doesn't that free up the organization to say, okay, there's, there's a process in place that has my back, now I can be free to be creative and innovative, and, and does, that, does that lift that burden off shoulders of organizations that they can actually do their work that serves their, their, their market? I think it, it, it's uh, another way of looking at it is I think it turns into a competitive advantage for that company. If, if management in a company knows that they have this wonderful culture, they have the, uh, the procedures in place to make sure that that's protected, everybody understands the value of being ethical in the behavior. Therefore, they can't forget about it and say, well, the board's looking after this or senior management's making sure we're on track. Everybody has that responsibility. But it does free them up. 
for more time to be concerned with, with working on new projects and so on and so forth. And that's the reason why I say I think it leads to, to a competitive advantage for a company that has good corporate governance. Ron, when uh, Dick was listing some examples of some of the bad examples like the Enrons, I believe most of those were large corporations, but this, this applies to every type of organization, large and small. And it's not just business, it's, it's education to talk about uh, how far this actually reaches. Well, it does, it does. And, and, and what I kept thinking of as, uh, as Dick was describing the governance and you know, one of the challenges, so, so you have so so we have there's there's a set of people within whatever organization whether it's a large company a small company whether it's um, one of the educational institutions we deal with there's a group of people who have the responsibility to to make sure that their particular organization is protected and so that's that's a big responsibility it it gets bigger every year um, with more and more regulations we were talking to somebody earlier that said that 10 years ago they had one binder to to cover them and now they're going to be having like five big binders to to cover them with with all this information so it continues to grow and it puts a lot of burden on the people who are responsible but the the other part of that is while you have that group of people who um, who are are taking care of of that compliance, it also has to be communicated out to the rest of the working staff at that particular organization of why this is important, because it all it takes is a few people out there to really cause issues for for the whole organization, and it's not always easy for people to understand. Well, why are we? Ha- why do we have to fill out more paperwork? For us, it is about coming in there for the people who are carrying that out. The responsible is making it as easy as possible for everybody else within that organization to be able to help keep the whole whole organization in compliance. That's why we look at putting um, technology in place to be able to streamline those processes to help those people out there, whatever it might be that they have to do, whether it's filling out a form, whether it's something uh, or providing a report, is so that they can do that almost without thinking. They can go into a online a, a web form and, and fill that out and fill out just part of it, have the rest of the information come in from other, uh, some other system, but just make it as easy as possible. Everybody in the organization will be able to carry this out because it's, it's, it's huge. I mean, we're, we're talking about this. It's, it's, it's huge and it's getting bigger every year. Unless you have that whole process, you, it's, it's up to the organization to understand what the process is. But once you do that, you can't just throw people at it. You've got to be able to look at how you can streamline those, and that's where we come in with the technology to make it as easy as possible on everybody there. Dick, talk about, you, you, both of you have mentioned Obamacare and the impacts that's having, uh, but that's not the only example. I mean, there's, uh, is, is government regulation a big contributor? Of, I mean, Rodney mentioned this one organization going from one to five binders full of uh, rules to follow and procedure. That complicates the process. That makes it harder for an organization to be compliant and do all that it takes. Talk about, either of you can talk about uh, how government regulation impacts this. Well, government regulations are clearly uh, growing, even though we are told from time to time that uh, that's not the case. But it it is a definite fact. And I think the Affordable Care Act is a, is a, a great example of that. Because it used to be that uh, more and more government controls affected basically the medium to large 
corporations and not the the small, uh, really small entrepreneurial companies that were growing and so on and so forth. Today, that's not the case. They're caught up in this as well. Now, I will say this. I think, you know, I, I've been asked before, what what keeps you up at night as a, a member of a board of directors? And uh, even Ron and I were talking about this yesterday evening about, you know, in Savad, uh, we, we both agree what really keeps board members, I think, up at night is what will our company look like five years from now as as compared to what it is today and how are we going to get there uh, in, in, a, in a very ethical uh, and, and manner. Th- this, this thing of, of red tape uh, and, and government controls as, as our businesses grow, as we get more and more complexity in the businesses, it's an interesting situation because technology that that Savad is supplying helps take away a lot of the paperwork and helps provide solutions to this very issue, but at the same time with the growth of industry, with what keeps me awake at night might be the fact that I fear will somebody do something in the management of that company or even a board member that would be perceived even as not ethical, that kind of bothers me because in today's world, everyone's going to know about it. It's going to take away our competitive advantage overnight. So I worry about that. And therefore, I know there are a lot of people in in, uh, big corporations and big pharma, for example, perhaps, uh, who might not agree with me, but I am a firm believer in Sarbanes-Oxley. I think it was I think it was absolutely necessary to come in with all of those regulations, particularly for the large public companies, so that you don't have to stay awake at night <laughs> worrying about someone wanting to get uh, a, a bigger bonus and they they go in and they fraudulently will do something with with the numbers. As a result of all of this. We, we are seeing more of the growth in regulations. It is a big issue. And, and in my mind, that's going to continue to grow. Therefore, it's companies like Savad and why I'm happy to be connected with them as a board member is they are providing these solutions to live with this growth of regulations and so on, but to make it workable and, and to provide technology solutions to it because it's going to continue to grow. I'm, I'm convinced of that. I, I think this is exciting for a company like Savad. I think it's uh, they've, they've got a wonderful opportunity to go out with the mission and vision of this company and be of tremendous help, particularly in, in this area of uh, going forward and, and, and um, you know, as you pointed out, uh, the growth in regulations and so on and so forth. How do we live with that? We are, we're problem solvers, and we use technology to do that. And I can guarantee you there's no shortage of problems to solve. The regulations, whatever industry you're in, they're, they're there, and they're going to continue. You know, we'll, we'll adapt to it. I mean, it, it really, we, we are about, you know, we talked about, we talked about the protection. We talked about, you know, providing the information to make decisions. And that's where a lot of it comes into. And if we can put the infrastructure, technology infrastructure, that makes it easy for the people within the organization to to help 
keep that organization compliant, but at the same time, provide the information of about where they're at to the executives, then we've, we've done our job. We've kind of connected, we've, we've streamlined the process using technology, we're informing the executives, so hopefully overall what we're doing is protecting that company. Now, of course, we have the different pieces of security, security over the documents and security over data to, to ensure that only the people seeing them are the people who need to see them. So that's part of it, but really it comes down to making a this cohesive this cohesive solution where everybody is is working and making the compliance happen and having the people understand where they really do sit with it. Ron, you made a real clear that you just can't keep throwing more people at these at these issues. Uh, and most organizations are now being forced to do more with less. And observing your customers and in the market as a whole, are you seeing people becoming a little bit more comfortable with using technology for that as part of that process, or is there still some hang up there and a little anxiety with that? Um, I, I think there's still some anxiety. You know, some people are, are are dragged to technology and that don't really want it. But you know, I think it's I think it's more human nature than anything. I think that you know people resist change. This is the way they've done it. Uh, this is the way they're comfortable with it. Um, this is their job security because they, they're the ones that know how to do it. So when you bring technology in and say that, look, these five steps of the process we're cutting out, we don't need it, it's too much waste, then, then people do resist that. But the bottom line is what you said is, you know, doing more with less. People now are not doing just one job. They might be doing multiple jobs. The only way they can get their job done and, and keep their sanity is to have technology in place, and um, and so you know, so we're seeing um, for for us, we, we certainly are seeing people that are are now um, you know grasping that and accepting the technology more than than they have in the past, because they know that there's really no other way to do it. They know that they're not going to get more uh, more employees to help in that process, so they have to have some kind of way to be able to do it, or they're not going to get it done. On, and whether they whether it's a worker who will lose their job or a company that will lose their business because of of whatever a lawsuit or fine or, or just not being competitive, they know that they have to be able to look at this. It, this is just a fact of life anymore. If you don't if you don't have technology in your company, you're not going to be competitive in the marketplace. Bottom line. Dick, uh, if an organization says, okay, look, I need to get on top of this. I need to begin the process of refining my culture to be more conducive to these ideas and concepts and I want to install a corporate governance program, what are some initial key steps that an organization of any size, frankly, ought to begin to think about to, to begin to position themselves to be doing what they need to be doing? It starts at the top. I mean, that's an, an, an we hear that all the time, that it must start at the top. And uh, it, in my mind, the boards of companies, no matter whether they're public or private, and makes no difference the size of them. I think the board of directors, has, they have to establish the tone and then, of course, the senior management. And they have to work together to agree. Now, if it's a large company, you can even have, you can uh, hire a compliance officer to make sure that they'll be working with, uh, you know, the corporate lawyers, your uh, internal auditing group and the ex, you know, your external auditors and so on, and and the and the board audit committee. It simply must you, the tone must be established at the top, and then it down to education. How are you going to educate the rest of the people down through the organization, and communicate and have open and transparent communications on the type of culture that the company has? 
Now, you may be invited onto a board at some point that um, you're not particularly happy with the culture of that company, and they may even say they have good corporates, corporate governance programs in place. And that's a, that's a tricky one. How, how do you try to influence the culture that it is? Because culture goes back to so many different things, you know, a part of culture, the, the values of the company and so on and so forth, and the plans that they have for growth and how they go about doing their business, how, they, how do they work with stakeholders, all the various stakeholders. I believe that the easiest answer that I could give you is it does come down to establishing the tone at the very top of the corporation, of the company, of the organization, and then having good communications programs and making sure you get buy-in by everybody in the company, as Ron was saying. Yeah, Ron, you've talked about that a lot, not just on this show, but as Dr. Morrison has said, it starts at the top, no doubt about that. But then the inter-organizational communication is critical, and that's part of, that's part of the culture is that communication process. Uh, I suspect that's a, that's a battle you fought uh, on a lot of fronts uh, in the markets that you've been serving. Talk about how an organization can do that and set up a process by which that communication can, can happen because that's critical. It, it is, and, and you know what? It doesn't happen overnight is that um, it's communication, education. It, it, quite frankly, the the executives or whoever doing it are now becoming salespeople because they need to sell to the rest of the organization why they're doing that. It's basically about getting buy-in. You know, the the people who are carrying that out, they need to they need to understand why they're carrying that out, and they need to fully understand how to carry that out. And and so that is is communication and education constant. It's it doesn't. It's not just okay. We're going to have a meeting, you know, this particular day, and then y'all will know everything that needs to be done. It's no. We'll have this. We'll come back and we'll do it again and we'll do it again. So that these people, uh, it be, you know, the whole idea is be, have it become second nature. So that this is just part of everything they do during the day at at the workplace, whatever particular compliance or whatever it is it is, you know, that they need to carry out. It's that they just fully understand what that is and that becomes communication first from the executives to the department heads from the department heads down to you know to the workforce and then back back all the way around again isn't part of that communication process dick and also an ability and an attempt to identify those in the organization that aren't buying in and thus maybe shouldn't be a part of the organization is that one of the benefits of of that process of identifying the 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 bad apples if you will oh absolutely and you hope that you can uh you can change their culture and their their attitude uh, to to join the ranks, but if they don't, then I think you have to make serious decisions with with those type of folks. Well, and as you said, uh, with with modern technology such as social media and twenty four seven news channels and networked uh, global networks, uh, bad news can spread awfully quick. It certainly can. I'll share with you one quick story, if I may. I think we have time. Absolutely. A few years ago, I was on uh, a board of a public company, a fairly small public company. I won't, I won't identify it at this point. But at any rate, we were having a, the board audit committee, which I was chairing prior to the board meeting, which would be later in the day. And we noticed some numbers that weren't quite right. And all at once, one of the members uh, made the comment, it looks like a little bit of fraud to me. With the external auditor sitting in the room at that point mm-hmm. and hearing that word, it started the process. That started a process where we took a small public company 
we we tried to figure out what went wrong. We had to bring in the forensic auditors and, and outside lawyers and everything. The bottom line is, when it was all said and done, we had to take a company into Chapter 11, into bankruptcy, and emerge as a private company eventually. The shareholders lost a tremendous amount of, uh, of money. All the stakeholders did involved in that company. And, and once it was all done, it cost so much money, we found out it was one person. Wow. One person that brought the company down. A greedy person, I might say. Now, that person was prosecuted. But still, how, we, how did we miss that person as we were trying to make sure everybody in the corporation understood the value of ethical behavior? Of, of the corporate governance programs that we, we had in place, because this was after the Enrons and so on, and yet it, it still happened. So that's, that's why I said a little while ago, sometimes that's what keeps me awake at night. Is there that one bad apple that you talked about that might be there, who hasn't quite bought into this thing, who might be a little bit greedy, and can they cook the book some way or other to show that the sales were little bit more than what they really were so that their bonus might be a bit higher. These things happen, and, and that, that's, that's the scary thing about it. We can talk about corporate government. We can talk about compliance. But we also have to understand the human nature at work in, within the, the individuals in the company. But it sounds like you, you can't just create a nice corporate governance policy, put it in a leather-bound volume on the bookshelf and say, my job is done. Yeah. It's a it's a twenty four seven vigilant effort. Yes, uh, and that's just the cost of doing business in the modern world. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, you got to protect your brand, your name. All right, well, gentlemen, this is uh, gosh, we could we could probably talk for another couple hours on these subjects and go in a lot more detail, and maybe we'll do that down the road. Uh, but I think that's a uh, that's enough for today. Uh, Dr. Richard Morrison, it was great to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, before I let you go, how can people get in touch with you? They want to pick your brain on some of this. They're most welcome to get in touch with me. I'm. Uh, you can find me uh, uh, online, that's for sure. But, no, I'm always welcome to any corporation, um, uh, anybody in management uh, or on boards. If they wish to get in touch with me, they can call me, they can email me, and uh, I'd be happy to discuss this subject because, as you probably understand, this is very important to me. Outstanding. Dr. Richard Morrison, a board member with Survive Business Solutions, former executive with Eli Lilly, and a former professor at UNC Wilmington. It was great to have you. Thanks so much for by joining us. Thank you. All right, Ron, that's good stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to have to get uh, Dr. Morrison back on down the road to continue this conversation. I suspect there's a lot more things we can we can talk to and learn from Dr. Morrison. Well, you know, it, it really is because it's, for a lot of people out there, this is the unknown. This everything that's coming down is the unknown, and they don't know how to tackle it. So, I think people are really looking for ways to get themselves educated and and get their companies protected. I agree. All right. Well, that wraps this episode. On behalf of our guest, Dr. Richard Morrison, my co-host Ron Davis, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you next time on Savad Radio. Wondering if technology can help you run your business better, to help you better manage your data, to make more informed more strategic and faster business decisions? Say hello to Savad Business Solutions. We don't rest until we identify and put into place customized solutions to remove the bottlenecks from your organization, making you better, faster, 
and more effective. Learn more at SavanSolutions.com. That's S-I-V-A-D Solutions.com.